Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast. Thank you so much again for joining us for another edition of the podcast. This is episode 116, where we're going to be recapping a pretty crazy and wet and wild 2021 Russian Grand Prix and also talking about a lot of other news and happenings going on in the F1 world. I'm your host, Chris Cato. I'm going to be joined by my fellow backmarker, Tyler McDonald, in just a minute. Of course, just your usual reminder that this podcast is sponsored by our friends over at the GPbox.com. They are the world's largest motorsport marketplace seller. They sell some really awesome F1 memorabilia, used car parts, helmets, gloves, anything else motorsport or F1 related. They've got it, and it's really, really super top-notch quality. And they've given us some exclusive discount codes for Backmarkers F1 Show podcast listeners and viewers. So check out the description down below in order to utilize those awesome discounts. So thank you to the GP Box for sponsoring our podcast now for a good little while. So let's bring in my fellow Backmarker for this episode, Tyler McDonald. Tyler, looks like you're uh, still in Sochi there for that race, are you? How's it going tonight? That's right. I'm celebrating with Lewis and the, and the pit crew. Oh, it's on this shoulder. On this shoulder here. Um, obviously, um, you know, I'm loving it here in Sochi. Uh, it stopped raining finally, so it's it's great. No, <laughs> it's uh, we're playing around with the the backgrounds here on Zoom. But uh, what a race it was, Chris! Uh, very interesting race. And going into it, it was okay. Well, it's the Russian Grand Prix. It's not very interesting, but we do have maybe a little bit of interest because of everything that happened in the last race and say, okay, what's going to happen in this race. And uh, it turned out to be exciting for every other reason. Other than that, it turned, it turned out just to be in a very exciting Russian Grand Prix, which we weren't expecting, but uh, very happy to see that. And uh, we'll be continuing the Russian Grand Prix down the line, of course, not in Sochi, but in St. Petersburg, I think in 2023 uh, that starts. So that'll be interesting. It certainly was, and there was a lot of things to look forward to in this race, thanks to the 2021 championship. But we we knew we were kind of downplaying the Sochi Autodrome, with all due respect to it, of course, but it hasn't provided us with some great racing. But I never would have expected that this track, the Russian Grand Prix, would have given us arguably the best race of 2021. Just off the top of my head, I'm thinking that this might have been the best race this season because it had a little bit of everything, changeable conditions, an unexpected winner in many ways, even though it was Lewis Hamilton, which we're going to get to him a little bit later on. But so many things just happened. And I don't know about you, Tyler, but all 53 laps, I was glued to the screen. And it just felt like the two hours went by so quickly because the racing was really, really solid. The the strategic element was so interesting. And it just felt like throughout the whole 53 laps, there was something exciting or interesting keeping you glued to the screen. Whereas usually you kind of get that middle lull through a race where it's just managing and conserving but i didn't really feel like we had that in this race it was just honestly phenomenal grand prix yeah and i think the strategy like you said chris played a key part in that because uh we weren't sure at the start of the race if there was going to be some rain then there wasn't uh, and then there's a bunch of different strategies of course with the rain to qualifying everyone got to start on brand new tires and had free selection of a strategy which maybe made the race a little more interesting because you had those different strategies at the front of the field rather than, you know, you know, 10th and back, which is maybe something F1 can look at down the line because everyone, you know, the top 10 having all softs uh, for the most part, most of the time, it does make the strategy a little less interesting in, in the middle of the race. But in this race, it was, uh, it was very interesting to see how the different teams uh, took to, 
the different strategy calls that they would make. And of course, uh, then we got that splash of rain at the end and, oh man, you have to just, it was wild. I'm glad it happened because it gave us a very memorable race. And I was hoping that it would come maybe a little bit earlier in the race. Uh, but, at, you know, maybe it just ended up being a perfect time because it turned the race right up on its head. It did. And even without the rain, it still would have been a very good mm-hmm. race. And we would have yeah. had most likely another first time winner. And, and this is all going to be part of our discussion in this podcast. So it's going to be a lot that we're going to cover here in the next hour or so. So please definitely do stick with us. And, and, and we've got the timestamps down below on the podcast as well. If you want to skip through and go and go to specific parts, maybe relating to your favorite driver. But I just wanted to start off on lap one, actually, before we actually get into Lando Norris and and McLaren and and Lewis Hamilton, of course. And I thought that lap one was so, so exciting. One of the best lap ones of of this year. And there's the tremendous photo of basically just the rundown to turn one where you've got the Williams, the Ferrari, the McLaren, the Alpine almost side by side going into turn one. And it was just a phenomenal start from all drivers. Daniel Ricciardo had an excellent start. Lewis Hamilton had a very good start too and then got squeezed a little bit by Lando Norris. Of course, Carlos Sainz did come out best uh, heading out into turn two, taking the lead of the race. But I don't know if you saw, Tyler, Fernando Alonso was the MVP of lap one because he knew exactly what he was doing. The 40-year-old veteran, almost you know, 200, 300 Grand Prix, whatever it is in Formula One, just full throttle, cuts turn two, goes straight through the ballard. And I heard pre-race, just I tuned in about five minutes before, they were saying that Alonso was accidentally going wide on turn two on the reconnaissance lap to the grid and then when i saw that alpine that blue car just fly off the track i'm like okay i know what fernando's doing so i thought that was a legendary move uh, he did it i was going to mention that chris I was, I was waiting to see if he would but he, i know he did it during the formation lap as well and, and pinned it and i think uh whoever was on <laughs> who was on color i forget who was on color commentary for the race mentioned it and it was like i wonder if he's going to do that <laughs> you know lap one and well he did and you know, it worked out at the start, um, but it just he didn't carry enough speed because Lance Stroll got to his outside. And by the way, what a start by Lance Stroll. I mean, yeah. if there was a rain at the start of the race, Lance Stroll may have had a really good shot at being on the podium uh, with his rain capabilities. But unfortunately, just a lot of things didn't go right for him this race. Um, but just awesome by, by Fernando. I love that. I was hoping that he would come out even know even uh, higher up the grid and, and hold that position but just that alpine wasn't fast enough around the track still a great race for, for for team alpine but just not fast enough with um those top cars up there to to hold everyone back for long enough yeah and you had so many different drivers in the mix there like you said lance stroll who had a great race up until the the final stint of the Grand Prix. But on that opening lap, Hamilton ended up getting swarmed by Ricardo and then Alonso and almost by Perez as well. So it was just kind of starting off the race that way. It was like, wow, we've got a really good one on our hands because now Hamilton was out of position starting from fourth and then now dropped back. I think at one point he was P6, maybe even P7. So it just really set the stage for a great race. And I enjoyed seeing the little battle between the former teammates, Sainz and Lando Norris out in front. And so the way the Grand Prix started just gave us an excellent development for the rest of the race, which was which was really fun to watch. So kudos to all the drivers, I think, who in, in a tricky area, that turn two kind of complex is a bit bit strange, um, but they all got through there very cleanly. So so that was props to them. But let's move on now to obviously the big talking point in the race, which was McLaren almost winning 
a Grand Prix for the second race in a row. Just a few years ago, they were struggling to make it into Q2. And now here they were almost being almost winning for two for second race in a row. And of course, Lando Norris getting that uh, provisional pole, scoring his first pole position in his Formula One career, which was an excellent move to go on to the slicks at the right time in qualifying. But let me to get your thoughts, Tyler. I did the analysis video on what went wrong at McLaren uh, yesterday and why Lando Norris didn't come into the pits and, and what happened between them and the team and also on Lewis Hamilton's side. But I wanted to get your thoughts on, on Norris and the decision to not come in for inters. What did you make of his decision to not come in as a driver, but also the team as well? And we don't like to assign blame, but who ultimately would you say took needs to take the brunt of the responsibility in terms of getting that strategy call wrong? Well, I think we saw a key difference in a eight or sorry, a seven time world championship winning team seven years in a row. And and an up-and-coming organization uh, over the last few years that have really rebounded uh, into trying to be what they used to be. And yeah, that has to do with the team aspect, Chris. I think both drivers made the right call at the time to say, no, I don't want to go on wets. Um, but in the end, it, was the, it would have been the wrong decision. And that has to go to Lewis Hamilton's team saying, no, you're coming in pretty much and telling them you're coming in. You don't have a choice. Like you better come in or, or else. And we saw what the, or else could have been compared to the McLaren team who did listen to Lando. And there is that kind of give and take. And you can always look back and in hindsight and say, Oh, we should have done this and they should have done that. But I, in the end um, it's, it is hard to give the lead up, uh, you know, there's four laps left. You're in the race lead. You're going to win your first ever Grand Prix. Of course, you don't want to give up the lead to Pitt. Um, but that's when his team has to say, no, Lando, come into the pits. You're like, we, we need you to see this race out uh, on the full wets. Or sorry, on the inters. It would um, so I think to blame would be the team, Chris, um, just for that fact that you know, I think they have to you know use their uh, I don't know how to I'm trying to just find a word to describe it but use their might I guess uh, to, to force Lando to pit in that scenario because in the end threw up uh, throughout a race win a podium um, and you know it's it's just too bad for Lando that uh, that, ended, that ended up happening for him it is a heartbreaker and He's young, so he's definitely going to learn from this situation. But you're right on that point. It's going to be hard to give up track position when you're so close. You're only three, four laps away. You think maybe you could get to the end. But then the rain just really all came at once in that sector two and then just completely washed it away. Now, in fairness, other drivers got it wrong, too. Even Sebastian Vettel, mm -hmm. for example, got it wrong. And he's a four-time yeah. world champion. So Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc, yeah. So it's, it's not easy, but I think that you saw... For example, as you mentioned, Lewis Hamilton and also Max Verstappen, the two championship contenders and their teams who got over the radio and said, you know, come on in, we're doing this now. So, yeah, I think that if I had to put the blame on it, then it definitely would go to the team McLaren. And I, I talked about this in the in the analysis video, um, which I, I urge everybody to check out our recent video on the channel because I go through all the team radio between Norris and his engineer and also Hamilton and his engineer. And you really notice the difference between, like you said, seven-time world champion Peter Bonington, Lewis Hamilton's race engineer, is giving him plenty more important information. Intensity of rain, 
other drivers on what tires they're on. He's asking them. They're ready for him in the box whenever he wants. And then you had the scenario, right? Bonington calls Hamilton into pit. Lewis refuses to do that. But on the very next lap, Peter Bonington comes on again and says, we're boxing this lap, we're boxing this lap. And Hamilton even says, like, it stopped raining. But Bono comes on and says, it's going to get heavier. You know, so being the message as trust us, we, we see more than what you see, even though, of course, he's driving on the track versus on the Norris side of things. They just really left him out here to do whatever he wanted, which in some cases, that's fine because he is the driver. He knows what he's doing, but he doesn't have a weather forecast on his dashboard, right? At least I don't think he does. <laughs> so... <laughs> the team knew that the rain was going to come and other teams knew as well and i think that him being the younger driver being inexperienced in that position mclaren should have came over the strategist and said no no no, bring him in because it's going to get heavier we need to be on the right tire at the right time and he had time even after hamilton came in norris stayed out for an extra lap so even if he would have came in then to fit enters he might have been able to salvage a podium so it's a harsh learning curve for them in in this scenario because i really do think that it was just a little bit too much from Norris's side to try and want to hang it out there on slicks for that long. But in that case, that's where McLaren have to realize that we got to bring this guy in because he's not going to want to give up the lead. I found it really interesting, too, during the post-race media scrum, uh, Lewis and Lando were beside each other and they had a, a little conversation. And um, Lewis asked why he stayed out and, and um, Lando's team, or Lando said, said it, his team um, said that the rain was staying the same and Lewis said, well, our, our team said that it was getting heavier. So, I mean, kind of, there you go that, you know, if the McLaren team said that the rain is going to stay the same or thought the rain was going to stay the same, um, you know, I'm not sure if there's different <laughs> technological advances and ra- um, radar systems that these teams have. Maybe I'm not sure, but uh, you know, that, could have proved well it did prove to be the difference is just reading the weather radar <laughs> yeah. maybe each team needs to hire a weatherman for the next grand prix <laughs> you'd maybe think that they would all have the same system but you've, yeah you've seen it in plenty of other races too even mercedes for example in hungary when hamilton was the only one to start uh after the the opening couple of laps so they, they had a different radar than two i guess so that is interesting that you'd think that all of them would have the same system be supplied by the one weather forecast or weather station, whatever it is. But mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe that's just human error. It's a different interpretation of when the weather is coming in. But McLaren did get it wrong. And yeah, you heard it in the radio messages there. It just wasn't very good information, I think, that was being relayed to him. And of course, Norris was very you know, hot under the collar, telling his engineer to shut up. And he, he was in a very stressful situation. So I think yeah. that's where an engineer comes in, which is why I love listening to Hamilton and his race engineer and also Verstappen and his race engineer because mm-hmm. they're just so calm. They're so cool. I think F1 just released on their website the last five or so laps of Verstappen's on board. And you could just hear with him and, him and his engineer just how relaxed they are. And his engineer did the same thing as Hamilton's did, told him to box, coming in for inters, and then it worked out really, really well for them. So it, it's such a shame because had it not rained, I think Norris would have been able to hold on for his first Grand Prix win because yeah, his 100%. pace... Yeah, his pace was very strong on that worn hard tire. I think he had some pace in hand as well. He had to do a lot of lifting coast to save fuel. But when he was able to unleash the pace, he was able to to match Hamilton and sometimes go even quicker. And it was just more the straight line speed. Of course, both of them have Mercedes engines. So just unlucky. It's it's a shame. But I think that he's right there. And it, there's still seven races to go. 
it could come this year and if not obviously he's got many many more races to go to try and get that first win mm -hmm. but sometimes you go through these really hard learning curves and it's going to make him a better driver i think and i think that these heartbreaks are going to come back and make that win that he eventually will get a lot sweeter i mean we'll go back look at charles leclerc when he um you know lost in the race win in bahrain uh, and everything that happened and you know finally now his first win was in, in a somber way of course um, but he, we saw the celebration in his second win at the italian grand prix and kind of the relief in how amazing it felt for charles and and i think it's going to end up being the same for lando just you know in the last last race coming up second to his teammate this race having mother nature throw his race win away and uh, you know the race win will come for him and uh, you know a crazy race you know happens again and i could see him winning i could see mclaren getting another podium this year and i could see mclaren getting another win this year just on the streak they're on the thing is though chris 2022 cars we have no idea what's going to happen you know they could get the development wrong again and they could be last on the grid you know they could be the best you know race winning team in 2022 we don't know and that's the big wild card there will be for next season that we don't exactly know what's going to happen. So if you're McLaren, if you're Lando, you want that race win this year and you'll be pushing for it hard. You're right. That's a good point. We have no idea what's going to happen. And the same goes for, for Hamilton as well, right? And, and the rest of these drivers yeah. fighting for the top, you, you don't know. It could be the same status quo or it could be completely shaken up. We could see Haas in the top five in the constructors or or Williams up there as well. So yeah, it's difficult, right? And and they're so close, McLaren. It, they got the strategy call right on the Saturday, but they yeah. weren't able to do it on the Sunday. And those are just the, the fine, small margins of winning a race and, and finishing outside of the top three. So, yeah, it, it definitely sucks because I think that we want to see, you can call McLaren the underdogs, but I think everybody wanted to see Norris win that race. You know, and, and it was nice to see Verstappen and Hamilton not be the story. I mean... Maybe I should reword that because obviously we were really enjoying the championship, but it's just nice to see some fresh drivers up at the front fighting for race wins. I think, you know, I could speak for everybody on that, that we enjoyed seeing that. So you kind of got the idea that, oh, maybe we're going to get another first time race winner. Uh, but fortunately, it didn't work out for him. But uh, <laughs> somehow Max and Lewis still ended up one, too. <laughs> and we're not complaining about it, which is wild, right? We usually would be complaining about it this year, but we're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially on a, if you look at the starting grid, you never would have expected them to finish 1-2. Oh. So no. I guess it's just the the, ma the magnetic field is just bringing them together. I do want to give a big shout out, though, uh, before we get off the top of McLaren, to Daniel Ricciardo, who finished fourth. Uh, so an amazing set of points again for him after his race win last time out. Uh, almost got getting a podium. Um, phenomenal drive by him, and he's really showing his form. Uh, you know, starting to pick up. And like we said at the beginning of the year, wait till after summer break. Daniel he did a lot better at Renault in his first year after summer break. He got used to the car. Just just let him ease into the car. And look what's happening, Chris. He's He's got a race win. He almost had another podium there. And he's really showing, you know, how good of a driver that he is. I'm glad you brought him up because I definitely would have forgotten him. And he should not be forgotten because that P4 was very strong. Yeah. And again, they did it on merit. He started fifth again, just like he did last year here at this race. But there's another driver who made the right decision and the right call. And so there you see, again, the 
differences in experience level, eight-time Grand Prix winner versus a driver who's only been in Formula One for a couple of years. Ricardo made the call himself. I'm coming in. It's too slippery. We're going on inters, and it worked out for him. So uh, another P4, which which was good because, of course, with Norris dropping out of the podium places, it was important for them to get a decent amount of points considering Ferrari did end up finishing on the podium. So, mm -hmm. yeah, shout out to Daniel Ricardo, who I'm glad that he's continuing that form from Monza because those two tracks are kind of where you would see him struggling earlier in the year tracks that are very heavy dependent on braking and getting lap time from that but he's been doing really really well in the last two races so it seems like he's going to be continuing that for the last seven races of the year so yeah well done to to Danny Rick so then that moves us on to the driver who benefited the most from a chaotic Russian Grand Prix uh, engine penalties, rain, you name it. And that is, of course, Lewis Hamilton, the now new championship leader after the standings heading into Turkey. But more importantly, he got his 100th career Grand Prix victory. He became the uh, Centurion? Centurion? <laughs> yeah, Centurion, yeah. Centurion, okay. I don't Centurion, think, I, think... I think, is a mythical <laughs> horse guy, I think. Yeah, I think a Centaur. Right. Yeah. <laughs> The Centurion, yeah, the first driver in history to get to 100 Grand Prix victories. And it wasn't looking good for him at the beginning of the race. I can definitely tell you that because starting fourth, he obviously had the mishaps on Saturday. He ended up hitting his uh, front jackman, I believe, on the Friday free practice and then ended up hitting the pit wall on injuring <laughs> qualifying, which really messed up him and his teammates qualifying. So it messed up Bottas' big time, but we'll get into that in a second. Yeah, big time for sure. So I think that, you know, it was just funny to me when I saw that happen because of all the chatter about championship pressure heading into the weekend, and then that happened. So I just, I had a good laugh at that anyways. But, <laughs> you know, he's been looking for this 100th win for quite some time now, since the British Grand Prix, and he finally got it done. And of course... Maybe not the way he wanted to do it, but I kind of got the sense he was not as happy as he would have been considering where Max finished in the end. I don't think Mercedes or even Red Bull would have expected that. But anyways, it, it's a very, very historic win for him. And I think that it probably won't be done again by any driver in history. I think that we said that about Michael, of course, with the 92 wins. Um, but it'd be really hard for me to see another driver get to 100 wins because I think that Mercedes' domination has been something unprecedented that will be very difficult to repeat. Now, it is possible, obviously, with the more races being added to the calendar, it will be a little bit easier for the future generation to bag more wins and pole positions, but I just kind of think this is one of those records that's going to stand alone. I think so too, Chris. I mean, it's it's crazy impressive to get to that hundred mark. And you know, he wanted that. It took a long time to for it. Well, in Lewis's case, it took a long time to get from ninety nine to a hundred. Um, but I mean, he drove a phenomenal race in Sochi uh, from from start to finish. Of course, he had that kind of hampered start and got caught behind Lando and had to back out and lost a few places. But he made up all those spots. He was patient with his tires, a really well-calculated win, didn't take any risks to keep out for the championship, and just a cool, calm, and collected, it seemed like, from Lewis. And it has to be one of his more impressive victories, in my mind. I know the Formula 1 YouTube just released top 10 Lewis Hamilton wins, uh, which is a very interesting watch. I, I enjoyed the, the top 10 of what they chose, and I had a couple maybe disagreements with them i wanted a couple you know the canada one number one they had a five i wanted that higher that, that should have been higher in my opinion but anyways um 
I still thought uh, it, was, it was an awesome race for Lewis. And like you said, I don't think it's going to be a record that will be touched for a long time, uh, obviously. I mean, how many wins is Max at? Is he at 10 yet? Uh, I think he's at 17. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, he's um, actually... So sorry, I was just going to say, he's actually yeah. the uh, holds the record now for most Grand Prix wins without a world championship. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting. <laughs> um. So, I mean, that's probably the closest contender for right now would be Max, just barring how young he is and how much money Red Bull has. They've always been good ever since they entered the sport. So um, you'd have to think that that would be the only one. But, you know, it's going to take a long time for him to win another 83 races. <laughs> um, that's, you know, if he won every single race over the next five years, that's when he would do it. But, you know, obviously, let's say he wins even 10 races, which is a lot to win each year. It still will take him another eight years. So we've got a long time to kind of relish this Lewis Hamilton record. And it's going to stand for, you know, at least this generation of, of Formula One drivers, let alone the next. Yeah. I mean, if you win one Formula One race, that's pretty incredible. But a hundred yeah. is insane. You know, a hundred Grand Prix starts is an impressive record. But yeah, victories yeah. alone is it's pretty crazy. So it was kind of one of those Hamilton classic races of just being at the right place at the right time. You know, of course, luck was on his side as well with, with what happened with the rain and everything. But uh, yeah, it's it continues, obviously, Mercedes' dominance of Sochi as well. And it's just something yes. about that track that, that they've loved ever since it came on the calendar. They've won all eight races there now. So yeah, and like the commentators are saying too, post-race, I think it would be good just to get this off of his mind. He's got the 100. He's got the two-point lead now, so now he can focus all the way down to the final seven races of the season and what's not going to be an easy end to the championship. So let's see if he'll be able to add to his records this season and get that eighth world championship. But one thing that hampered his championship was the fact that his main rival, Max Verstappen, finished right behind him, considering yeah. the fact that he started from the back of the grid. And man, in the opening stint of the race, it did look very good for Verstappen and Red Bull. And he stormed through the field again and just proved to anybody who thought that, you know, Max can't race side by side with anybody. He proved them wrong with some pretty solid overtakes going down into turn 10. But then obviously after he switched onto the second stop, or excuse me, the first stop when he went onto the medium tire, it just really didn't happen for him. He got stuck in traffic. He got stuck behind some faster cars. And it really looked like P6 was maybe the most that he could do. And then of course the, he the heavens opened up the rain fell, he switched onto the right tire and ends up going <laughs> P2. I mean, if you're a Red Bull fan and if you're Red Bull themselves, this is the best result that you could have come up with. I think even without engine penalties, they would have been happy with a P2 because of just the pace of Mercedes, how strong they are at this track. But to get it in this way and you're only down two points with fresh engine to go for the last seven races, they're going to be beaming heading into Turkey. Yeah, I think uh, for Red Bull, it's the best case scenario, like you said, uh, to be able to take those engine penalties, storm through the field and finish P2 and not let Lewis extend the gap uh, too, too much is very impressive and, and, and an amazing drive for Max. Again, the right strategy called two to go on interviews. He was saying post-race, he think they think they went at the exact right lap um, to be able to you know, jolt up this the, the grid to... Uh, from where they were. I don't know where he was before the stops, but I think it was P6 or 7. Yeah, if he, um, he had, I believe he was just overtaken by Alonso at that point, so he was down in 7th. Okay. So, I mean, for 
for him to, to have almost a perfect race is awesome for Max in terms of the championship and really could be the title decider because Lewis is going to have to take an engine penalty at some point here, Chris. We just have to figure out when the right time is going to be. So, so you um, don't think that he'll make it with the allocation he has now? I don't think he will. I don't. I think that he's going to have to. I think. Yeah, I think everyone's going to have to be taking a penalty at some point this season, just with the amount of races there are, and the fact that you know, we've of course shrunk the PUs to three this year rather than four, what it was last year. So I don't think that something mechanical is going to happen, um, but I think Lewis will have just you know even to have that fresher engine at a couple of power sensitive courses like we're going to have like Saudi Arabia is going to be pretty much all there is is, is power sensitive and, and Abu Dhabi with the new track layouts uh, is is very power sensitive uh, and not technical like it used to be it's going to be a completely different track so that fresh power unit is really really going to um, you know go a long way in the championship in my opinion and the last thing you'd want if you're Mercedes is this last power unit that they're on I don't know where they are in their allocation, but I presume they're going to be close or if not on their last unit, you know, to blow up in Saudi Arabia or to blow up in Abu Dhabi when the championship is on the line and basically had Max the title with, you know, an engine failure. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of rumors about it that that they might have to. I wouldn't have been surprised if they would have sent Hamilton a, a grid penalty here in Russia alongside Verstappen in that regard, just because... They utilize the opportunity and just equal the playing field there, but they didn't end up doing it. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think that it is touch and go with them. We've seen some reliability issues with some of the Mercedes power units this season with the other customer teams and with Mercedes as well. So it'll be interesting just looking at the final seven tracks. You could think, okay, maybe uh, Mexico you could take there, for example. Mercedes are usually pretty off the pace in Mexico, considering it's been really good for Red Bull the last couple of years. So maybe they take it there. Of course, you're not going to want to do it in a place like Turkey, uh, Austin, Texas, maybe, you know, there's some straights there, but it's a lot more dominated, I think, by, you know, downforce sectors in, in sector one and, and two. Um, so yeah, I, I think it'll be, it'll be touch and go for sure. <laughs> I think it'll be possibly penalties coming for them, which uh, I, I don't want to see the championship decided by that. Of course, with penalties or, or engine failures or anything like that, but it's it's just the way that the rules are set. With like you said, only three power units available, so we'll have to see. But a driver who took an extra engine penalty, which was a surprise starting with the race, was of course Valtteri Bottas, who I, I got a feel for the guy honestly because qualifying wasn't his fault. Got held up by a mistake <laughs> from his teammate, and then I I don't I was reading something that it wasn't a tactical move to try and hold up Verstappen. Was Bottas taking his engine penalty? It was maybe something to do with reliability, but it certainly seemed to me that way that they put him back there to try and hold up Verstappen, which didn't really work anyway because he got by him fairly quickly and easily. But yeah, it just sucks for him because he's usually very, very good in Russia. Yeah, he is. You know, the Russian, the Russian driver, pretty much uh, <laughs> the last few years, he's been phenomenal around there. And I think the quality lap actually is what really screwed him over the whole. Uh, the whole weekend is Lewis hitting the wall because he didn't get his second lap. And with that second lap, I bet you he would have been on pole position or very close to it. Um, and it really, really helped obviously his standing uh, in the race and he would have taken it. They would have given him an engine penalty if he was sitting P1 or P2. 
Um, so yeah, I think that's a tough one for Valtteri, just bad breaks after bad breaks for him and uh, couldn't get tires fired up and, and have good pace at all really during the race, unfortunately for him. So sucks to see for Valtteri. Um, I hope he gets a race win before his end at Mercedes. I think he deserves to have at least one more race win in there. Uh, but I mean, it's kind of one of those seasons where you, you, you feel for him and I'm sure he's very frustrated, but there's not much he can do in these scenarios. No, there wasn't. And he was fastest on the Fridays and was looking good for qualifying. And then, yeah, just all of that, that happened, just kind of bad luck Bottas. And it, it's been a tale of that season for him. It's been some bad luck and then also some bad performances. And it's just culminated in him not being able to win a race yet this season. And with the last seven races to go, it's going to be tough to see him winning a Grand Prix. Of course, depends on what happens with Hamilton and Verstappen out in front. But you've got to think now that anytime Bottas is in front of Hamilton, in whatever scenario, he's going to get the call from James to move over and, and help his teammate out in that case. So hopefully he can get one more win. But I think it's going to be tough for him because this was sort of his, his track. And uh, I think he actually probably would have been able to get the win um, had he been able to get out in front of Hamilton and build a nice enough gap. But in the end, it didn't work out that way. So so shame for Valtteri. Um, other number two driver, Sergio Perez as well. Another difficult weekend for Red Bull. And I was just wanted to read out this stat to you, Tyler, because it was pretty, pretty crazy when you think about it. Uh, it's actually from Chris Bendlin. And he's saying that the points scored over the past six races, Sergio Perez, 16 points. George Russell... 16 points so that, wow. that's a pretty crazy stat yeah that is a wild stat i mean a, a really impressive qualifying session from george and um he's been on a roll lately and of course one more point in this race i thought lance trolls gonna keep him on the uh, get him on the last uh on the last lap but just didn't end up uh finishing the last lap where he wanted to so um you know just another fantastic drive from george and he's really showing why he's in the Mercedes C for next year, isn't he? So, I mean, he's going to have a lot of chances to win next year, but, you know, this year he's showing that uh, he's got phenomenal pace and uh, has thrown Williams into probably receiving a lot more money um, in the whatever end of season constructor awards they get, right? Uh, they're currently sitting in eighth place right now and they're pretty far ahead of alpha romeo they're 15 points ahead of alpha um yeah. currently sitting with 23 points so i mean eighth place in the constructor staying that's going to be a decent amount of money for them he's been doing a phenomenal job for them and it's nice to see williams again on the front row we saw it mm -hmm. in belgium and of course he got the podium there with the race cancellation but it's just great to see that williams is on this right track now and the point championship there with, with Alfa Romeo, of course, this was an important weekend because Kimi finished ahead of George Russell and bagged a couple of points for them. So he had a really good drive in his return to the to the grid. So well done to him and Alfa Romeo for getting the tire choice right at the right time. We expect nothing less from a very, very experienced Kimi Raikkonen and yeah. Iceman. I'm, I'm sure if he would have stayed out on slicks, he would have been able to handle it, though. Oh, 100%. He, he knows how to rally on ice. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Well, and from Portugal last year, remember that? That's true. That's right. He fired the tires up right away. Yeah, so, yeah, good drive there from, from Kimi. But another shout-out, too, to Russell's teammate, Nicholas Latifi, who yeah. I thought had a fantastic race weekend, and just things didn't go his way. He had to take the engine penalty in uh, in Q2, and that's why he didn't go out for a second run. But 
was driving he, really, really well. Well, he outqualified George in Q1. Um, yeah. He was ahead of him, and they were both very high up in the standings. So um, he was he was racing really well. I don't know what happened, Chris. I, like, all of a sudden, I, I look back, and he was retired from the race, and I, I still haven't got an answer. So I don't know if you have an answer for why he retired from the race, but I, I haven't seen anything. I believe he spun or he made a mistake because I was listening to his post-race interview and he was saying that he hit the rear oh. on something and it got damaged. So I'm not sure if he came together with anybody, but I don't. I think F1 might, by the time the podcast is released, maybe released the onboards. So we'll see oh. it there. But yeah, I think he had some sort of a spin or crash with somebody. Okay. Yeah, no, I completely missed it. And there was no mention of anything on the broadcast. I just looked back down. He was retired from the race. I was like, oh. <laughs> what happened <laughs> like for, um but it's awesome he's signed for next year that's really important and uh, he's really showing that he has a lot of pace as well and i think that he's going to be a driver to watch out for if williams have a good car next year because i think he can pull out some surprises agreed i think he's having a good strong finish to the end of the season and if he can beat russell a couple of times in qualifying before the year finishes up i think that'll add to his stock heading into the 2022 season but yeah, I think, of course, he's the headline stealer is George Russell, but Latifi has been doing a solid job in that number two rule, but it just hadn't, hasn't gone for him yet in, in the last couple of race weekends. But yeah, anyways, just wanted to put, put that in there. Now, final couple of things for me. I thought that the Aston Martins had a very good weekend. They showed some really great pace, actually, all weekend long. And even in the race, we talked him. We talked about him early in the show was Lance Stroll, who was driving really, really well. He enjoys these types of conditions. And then, of course, the whole tire switch just didn't didn't work out for them. And then they ended up finishing outside of the points. They actually had a coming together, did Vettel and Stroll, when I think Stroll just didn't see uh, Vettel yeah. coming down uh, around sort of the outside of him. And they just touched wheels perfectly to where it didn't happen. Nothing happened, no suspension damage or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, the Astons looked very racy. You even saw Vettel and Leclerc going head-to-head in a terrific battle. Like I said off the top, just a bunch of really great racing between the drivers in the midfield and at the top as well. So, uh, yeah, I think it was unfortunate because they might have been able to to steal a podium, possibly, even in that scenario. But it just some bad luck on their way, and Stroll wasn't able to capitalize on what was a really good start. Yeah, which is unfortunate. I mean, again, I think if the rain came down, at the start of the race, like everyone was predicting, he could have been on for a very solid race. We saw what he did in Turkey last year. Yeah. Um, until you know one bad pit stop, or uh, sorry, I should say a wrong strategy call, <laughs> cost him the race. Um, a race he should have won, of uh, in my opinion. But um, yeah, another phenomenal job by by Aston Martin. I think that they're starting to bring that car together to where they think it should be. Um. It'll just be interesting to see again how they develop going into 2022. But they've got good talent behind the wheels and, you know, they got the money for it now to be able to invest. So uh, hopefully they can kind of move up and, and grab a couple of podiums because uh, they deserve it. It's just, I, I like the whole vibe around the Aston Martin camp and, um, you know, the, the fun way of social media that they've been doing. And it's just, it seems like a very solid core inside Aston Martin. So, uh, hopefully, you know, everything goes well for them and they can continue on the, the good pattern that they're on building and building and building as they've done throughout the season. Yeah, yeah, I hope so too. Uh, any other uh, mentions from the Russian Grand Prix? I think we pretty much went through all the teams and all the drivers. Um, you know, maybe a couple of the ones that we missed. Alpha Tauri, 
just were nowhere this weekend. And Pierre Gasly was visibly frustrated with his team and made some pretty public comments about them just calling out their performance, saying that they just weren't good enough. And it just kind of happens with them in these wet conditions. They're not as good as you maybe expect them to be. And they just weren't there in qualifying. They didn't get the strategy right, which is a shame because I think Gasly was having another strong drive in Sochi. was, I think, uh, P3 in one of the practice sessions, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, yeah, disappointment for them. Uh, we mentioned Fernando Alonso at the top of the show, and I just think we need uh, another special mention again because he had a terrific race, which a podium was a realistic target for him. But again, everything that happened just didn't go for him. But I think he was driving extremely well, even overtaking Max Verstappen, overtaking some of the McLarens. So he was looking very, very racy and very racy on turn two, going through the Escape Pro 2 <laughs> <laughs> move of the season, I think. Um, and yeah, who else I think that we mentioned? Uh, of course, the two Hasses, but I think that was actually Mick Schumacher's first retirement this year. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, Nikita Basman had a really good race, actually. Um, if we, we should give credit where credit is due, he actually had a, a pretty solid race in front of his home crowd. So kudos to him, um, on, on a solid race. Giovinazzi didn't really have much going on, uh, for him in this race and neither did Yuki Sonoda. I thought those were two very disappointing drivers this week. Um, Giovinazzi just couldn't get the car right. It seemed <laughs> spinning and it was just something in the balance was off in that car. It seemed, and Yuki at his pace has dropped off the face of the earth in the last two, three yeah. races. So I'm not sure what's going on, if it's a confidence thing or what, but hopefully he can rebound and um, try and, and gather himself uh, for the last seven races of the season. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I think that will will cover it and that will do it for, uh, yeah, you, you got one more? I've got one more thing, Chris. We oh, were that's talking right. About, we were talking about weather um, and, you know, we saw rain. We saw we saw everything happen, but what we weren't anticipating was a Russian torpedo to <laughs> enter the racetrack, and that was Danny Kvyat, uh, and this was phenomenal. This was this made I knew it was going to be a good race after I saw this. I was watching the pre-race, and uh, on the race grid was Danny Kvyat in his Alpine gear doing an interview with Sky Sports, and well, he had he had a black eye, so the, the Sky Sports was like, Daniel, like, why do you have a black eye? Like, what happened? He goes, oh, I was just doing some sparring. Is it still noticeable? <laughs> and he just has a massive black eye on his left eye, it looked like. Or maybe it would have his right eye. Um, but, like, it was very noticeable. I was like, oh, my God. Like, he's clearly <laughs> – and he was very confident during his interview. He's like, I should be on the grid, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I'm annoyed I'm not on the grid. But anyways, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I love it. <laughs> so watch out for Danny Kvyat in the boxing ring. And, and on the grid, because I think he wants a seat coming up in the next couple of years. He yeah. said, now, interesting, he said all the seats in 2022 are taken up. Mm. But I'm looking at 2023. But, of course, we don't have an announcement yet for the second Alfa Romeo seat. Yeah, I wonder, um, I wonder when so they'll announce it. Yeah, but Danny knows who's going there, so I wonder what's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know if he was fighting somebody for that final seat and he lost out or, or what was going on, but... Yeah. Yeah, it, well, it's funny because I saw something on social media from Alpine where Kvyat had his hands wrapped. So then I made the connection of what you were saying in the, in the chat that was uh, he had a black eye because I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, where did that come from? But yeah, he's been really busy with Alpine this year. He's pretty much been yeah. at every Grand Prix. I know he's the reserve driver, but usually we don't see the reserve drivers there all the time. But he's kind of been front and center at Alpine there. So 
yeah, he's been in and out of the grid for the past couple of seasons. But, you know, as we always mention, more teams would solve this problem. Exactly. We need more teams in F1. So I don't know. I, 2022 would have been a good time. Maybe people are waiting for the budget restrictions to come and see how that plays out. But I know the, the budget restrictions are there to kind of invite more teams so they know yeah. how much they're going to be spending in F1. Um, you just hope to see uh, more teams take in. I mean, I'm, I, there's a couple teams I would like to see in there. You know, and there's one American team, I'm surprised, who hasn't taken a shot at it. And that's Penske. Roger Penske, of course, owns Indianapolis Motor Speedway and mm-hmm. owns a, a team in NASCAR, a team in IndyCar, and a team in the Australian V8 supercars. And he's he's got a lot of experience and, uh, you know, I'm sure would do really well in F1 if he had the chance. But um, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe it's never interested him and it's not his thing. But that's a team that is a global superpower um in the you know the motorsports i'm just surprised that they haven't given it a shot yet and that sounds like a question that we might have to ask our uh podcast guest for uh the end of the week mr tim haraney who uh fingers crossed will will be coming back onto the show this week where we're going to be talking about uh this particular topic which is formula one in north america and just pretty much the growth of motorsport in north america in general it's going to be kind of centered on that topic of F1's growth in America and in Canada, you know, with the Netflix effect, with uh, TV deals, things like that. And of course, part of that conversation is what you just mentioned, Tyler, which is Roger Penske's takeover of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and some of the things that he's been doing with the IndyCar series, NASCAR as well. Of course, uh, you know, shout out to Alex Pillow, who just clinched Mm. the 2021 IndyCar championship. We're seeing F1 drivers really interested now to come over to IndyCar. Miami's back uh, is new on the calendar for 2022. We've got more races potentially coming in the U.S. So there's a lot of renewed interest in motorsport here in Canada and the states. And we've got our triple header idea, which we have to pitch to the FIA. <laughs> so right. I'm still going to try and will that into existence: a NASCAR, IndyCar, and Formula One triple header in one yeah. weekend at the Circuit of Americas. I'm I'm going to will that into existence. If you talk about it enough, something's going to happen. So. Hey, I think it's a great idea, and there's a lot of talk going on of possibly even Andretti entering Formula One, an American oh. driver being onto the grid, but we're going to save all that for a yeah. conversation with Tim, because uh, Tim is, of course, a former racing driver himself, and he's very extensive coverage of Formula One and IndyCar and other motorsports as well. He's one of the lead Canadian F1 journalists out there, so he knows a lot about this, and we're going to have a great conversation with him. We've got the podcast we did with him last September. I don't know which episode number it is off the top of my head, but you can find it in our F1 2020 podcast playlist on YouTube. Maybe we can link it down in the bio below too, Chris, just to, yes. to have people. <laughs> good call, good call. I always forget those things, but I'm glad you mentioned it. So yes, you could check that out in the description below for the podcast with him. And so we're going to record it uh, at the end of this week, and then we're going to edit it and hopefully release it in about a two or three part series, just because we know he loves to talk and so do we. So we could go on for hours and hours about motorsport in general. Yeah, if it's anything like our last top or our last podcast, I mean, that went on for a good amount of time and it was just you know it, I, it's still in my opinion the funnest uh that's not a word uh, the most fun uh podcast that that we've recorded so far 
Yeah, it really was. And I'm looking forward to this one too, because it's mm. kind of going to be a, a free for all uh, a little <laughs> bit now that we, we know him a little bit better. So yeah, keep an eye on that. That will be probably released uh, closer to the time of the United States Grand Prix, which is about the middle to end of uh, October. So we're just going to take some time to edit that together and then release it in a few part series so that you guys can uh, enjoy that for pretty much the North American doubleheader, which is USA and Mexico at the end of October. So yeah, Looking forward to that. Other than that, we've got, of course, the Turkish Grand Prix that's going to be coming up. So fingers crossed that that race is still going to go ahead in a little over 10 days time or so by the time this podcast comes out. So that should be great seeing uh, Istanbul Park back on the calendar. And yeah, we're, we're rapidly coming to the end of this championship, but it's going to be uh, as the first 15 races were, it's going to be foot to the floor coming at you quick. Yeah, seven races left. Uh, Turkey, United States, Mexico. Uh, Brazil after that, and then still to be confirmed where round 20 is going to be the 19th to 21st of November. I, I'm sure, Chris, I think we've heard um, kind of talks of it being in Qatar um, at the uh, La Salle International Circuit. Yeah, it looks like an interesting circuit. It, it I'm not sure how it will race, but I know the Superbikes uh, and MotoGP races there a lot, so... I mean, if they race there, I think there's an eight eight hours at Doha, which is at that circuit as well. So it's a well-used circuit. It's just, I wonder how F1 cars will race around it. And then, of course, uh, the other two races, we got the um, the new Saudi Arabia Grand Prix and the new Abu Dhabi circuit. Uh, see how that will race for the first time. Yeah, really looking forward to it. And some great new tracks there, potentially, that we could see on the calendar uh, in what's been uh, a pretty crazy 2021 season, <laughs> but they're hell bent on getting uh, these 22 races in, and I think they'll be able to do it. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. And of course, we're going to be along here with you guys to recap all of the the races this season. This is, of course, the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast. If you enjoy listening to us, or if you enjoy watching us, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and also follow our podcast on whatever your favorite podcast app is. You can always expect new podcast episodes from us the week or the following days after a Grand Prix. We usually release around Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on whether it's a, a double header coming up. This weekend, for example, isn't, so it comes out uh, you know a little bit midweek or so, just to allow you guys an extra day or two to digest the race. But if you want to check out the rest of our videos, you can find it out on our YouTube channel. And of course, like you mentioned, Tyler, we'll have the full podcast with Tim Haraney as well linked up in the description if you want to get to know him a little bit better ahead of our next conversation anything else uh, from your side there mr mcdonald that's it for me i'm excited to see what turkey brings up hopefully another wild race like we saw last year yeah i'm looking forward to it always really enjoyed that track and hopefully mm -hmm. it's a little bit more rubbered in this year and we'll see uh, <laughs> the cars going at full pace during qualifying so tyler thank you very much for your time tonight really appreciate you on the show always great to talk to you Always great to have you guys along as well, listening as well. We appreciate the support. Thank you for watching and listening, and we'll see you again soon.